Our scripture reading today comes to us from Gospel of Mark in the fifth chapter. Let us listen for the word of God. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him any more, even with a chain, for he had been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swineherds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. They began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I have a friend who lives in another city. I'll call her Nancy. Nancy and I have known each other for nearly 40 years. But a few years ago, Nancy began to change. You see, at the time, her husband was working for a trucking company, and he was gone a great deal of the time. And she was left to take care of the home. Her mother came down with cancer and moved in with her. Her oldest daughter got married. The younger daughter left home for college. Money was tight, and Nancy became very frustrated. She became lonely, and she looked for some. And soon, this diversion became more than something she did for fun, became an addiction. And Nancy began to drain their bank account. Soon she began hawking things from the house, including hawking her own wedding ring at one point. 
She stole her daughter's credit card and maxed it out. She borrowed money from her in-laws and from family. Things went from bad to worse. And Nancy became consumed with this addiction. But it wasn't just the demon of gambling that was eating away at her. It was also the demon of loneliness. Now, you might say, why are you calling those demons? You know, when we come to the topic of demons and demon possession, we get a little uncomfortable. This is not something that we normally experience in our lives. And we tend to shy away of it. In fact, probably most of us disbelieve in demons of any kind. And yet our world, our society, seems to take a great interest in the supernatural and the occult. Many homes have Ouija boards. After all, aren't they just a fun game? You pick up the newspapers and you read horoscopes and astrological predictions. Books, movies, TV shows, they are all fascinated with this subject. And then, I couldn't believe it, but on Tuesday night as I was listening to the news, they announced a story that would be coming up a little bit later that they hoped everyone would tune into because they had interviewed two psychics to find out whether the Spurs were going to win or not. C.S. Lewis wrote, There are two equal and opposite eras into which our race can fall about devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and take an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors. So perhaps it is not too odd that we find a story dealing with unclean spirits in Mark's gospel. And I think there are some things that we can learn from it today. This passage is the first of three healings in the fifth chapter of the book of Mark. It is a story that follows immediately after Jesus has stilled the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Indeed, I think Mark is seeking to demonstrate that Jesus has power over the natural world and now Jesus has power over the supernatural world. The story is different for other reasons as well. No one is brought to Jesus for healing. No one asks Jesus for healing. In fact, the man does run to him, but we have to realize he's not in his right mind. And so it's really the demons who make him do it, who run to Jesus because they are in a panic. They are scared to death because, you see, they know who Jesus is. Often in Mark, it is the unclean spirits who recognize who Jesus is. They know that he's the Holy One the Son of the Most High God. And they know that he has power to destroy them. But they've made a nice home for themselves. The person that they have possessed 
well, they have taken over his humanity. They have actually made of him a human wreck. This man is naked. He's constantly blooding himself with self-inflicted wounds. He is isolated from his family, from society. No one can constrain him. He is overcome with this superhuman strength, and yet he uses it. This man is unclean and untouchable. He was truly dead to the world, an appropriate place for someone living among the tombs. And he is totally alone except for the demons that possess him and who have taken him to the very pit of hell with no hope. I wondered what made this man become like this. We don't know. The scriptures don't tell us. Perhaps there was some horrible event or events that happened in his life that caused him to turn to the supernatural to try and find help and relief and instead got consumed by it. He was looking for answers in all the wrong places, evidently. Or perhaps he began to listen to inner voices that kept telling him to be discouraged, to be resentful, to blame others, to be filled with anger, with self-pity, with hate. Or maybe there were people who bullied him when he was younger. Maybe he had been told he was worthless and useless and no good to the world. And he began to believe it. We don't know. But what we do know is that often negative thoughts, when we allow them to enter into us, and we begin to believe them, whether they are our own or from others, whether they are real or imaginary, they can entrap us. They can isolate us. They can make our lives miserable. If we turn to negative ways to cope, as my friend Nancy did, rather than turning to God, we truly end up alone among the tombs of lies that the evil one creates. And while we may not have actual demons that possess us, we all have bad experiences, hurtful experiences in life. We all have things that happen to us or those we love that eat away at us. Broken relationships, illnesses. So much can get a foothold within us and begin to color our thinking and to become like those little demons tormenting us, making our lives a living hell. And we cannot experience the fullness of life that Jesus offers us. But Mark boldly steps into this situation and is declaring, proclaiming, that Jesus is the one who has power over all the supernatural world. Over all evil. Jesus can set us free. Jesus can bring us life. Put us in our right minds. And enable us to follow him. That's why the demons are scared to death of Jesus. 
It appears that this is the only time in Mark's gospel that a demon actually talks to Jesus. And Jesus asks it, asks it its name. And he says, Legion, for we are many. Now, in one respect, this could be comical because we doubt that anyone really had 6,000 spirits in them. That was the size of a Roman legion. I think the demons thought much more of themselves than they should have. But there's another level here, too. Another message that the people reading Mark's gospel would have grasped. You see, Rome was considered the enemy. It was the devil incarnate. Daniel had predicted that four monsters would arise out of the sea, and they believed Rome was the fourth monster, the monster of all monsters. Rome was unclean. Rome was a nation of pigs, and they deserved to go into the sea. It's interesting that the Roman legion in this area had on its standard a boar's head. And the fact that the pigs drowned in the sea would remind the people of God's freeing deliverance when Pharaoh's army died in the sea. But the demons aren't the only ones who are scared of Jesus. It seems the townspeople and the swineherders are also quite fearful. They had just witnessed their livelihood. All that ham, bacon, and pulled pork barbecue just going right over the cliff. They were upset. And they begin to beg Jesus to leave. They want nothing to do with him. But beyond the demons and the pigs... This story has a beautiful message for us. It is a message that God is always present to us. No matter how dire our situation is, no matter how hellish life can seem, God is always present. And Jesus comes into this man's life. And by his power and authority as the Son of God, he heals the man of the demons. And the man is put in his rightful mind. He is free. Free to be the beautiful creation that God had intended all along. God never abandons us. Jesus is always ready. To meet us. And when we experience the healing and freedom of Christ, we want to stay with Jesus. But do you notice what happens? Jesus says, No, go back to your home. Tell your friends what God has done for you. And evidently, the man really did a great job of doing just that. Proclaiming the good news and the power and salvation of Jesus. 
Because if we jump ahead to the 10th chapter of Mark, there's a little sentence about Jesus going into a certain area. Turns out it was the same area of the Gentiles where Jesus healed the man of the unclean spirits. And 300 years later, well, at the Council of Chalcedon, where the early church gathered to set its creeds, there was a bishop from this area representing all of the Christian churches that had been planted there. The man was free, and he proclaimed Jesus to the world. Oh, yes, my friend Nancy, she is better now. Oh, she knows she has a gambling problem, and she's working on it. But some family reached out to her. They reminded her that she was not alone, that she was loved. And so the healing has started. The relationships are being restored. And Nancy is finding new freedom in Christ. Seems to me that if we get caught up in the demons in this story, we miss the point. Because the point is that Jesus is always present to us, whether we recognize him or not. And that Jesus is the one who can set us free. When we are loved and others reach out to us in the name of Jesus, we find the freedom and the community that will keep us from making the wrong choices, from turning to someone other than God. Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ who heals. Amen.